This is your weekly briefing from the AspenCore Global Service. I'm David Finch. Today is Friday, January 18th. This hour, we offer a look back on last week's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. One of the things that uh, kind of stood out was nothing particularly stood out. And we look at some of the week's headlines from around the technology industry. 5G network operators thought that 5G would be the mechanism. Automakers aren't so sure about that anymore. But first, EE Times editor Junko Yoshida lends her insights on electronics industry trends in this filed report. Walking the floor at the Consumer Electronics Show, we often find ourselves distracted, if not mesmerized, by shiny objects. This year, perhaps more than ever, I peered through the glitter to see the electronics industry's hard reality. First, the hype for self-driving cars, which was in overdrive last year, has slipped into idle. Instead, we were looking at shuttle buses on the show floor. As David Benjamin, freelance writer for E-Times, succinctly noted, all these little buses look like toasters on wheels. These shuttles are supposedly all autonomous. No drivers, no steering wheels. Inside are AI technologies. Carmakers explain that these vehicles' AI brains can read the mood of the passenger appropriately adjusting the piped-in music and video streams. It will even change the color of the bus interior. We understand the car makers are worried about passengers' boredom while riding an autonomous shuttle, but the car makers' diversionary chutpa is pretty naked here. While they pump out marketing nonsense as the future of autonomous vehicles, they are dodging real issues about vehicle safety and the use of AI in driver monitoring systems. Second, IoT. The initial euphoria of connecting everything to the internet is over. Many companies continue to talk about smart this, smart that, but the limiting factor is the number of connectivity protocols used by different home devices. Whether you're connecting light bulbs, alarm systems, or smart speakers, tying them all together to make a smart home out of a sow's ear is still just a dream. Companies like Silicon Labs already have chips that speak multiple connectivity languages, including Zigbee, Z-Wave, Bluetooth, and others, but that's not enough. Silicon Labs folks told us that they are developing a software engine for a universal gateway to handle security, connectivity, and device management, but they don't have it yet. When they do, will move a step closer to the future of the easy-to-install smart home. Let's see if we'll get to see that at work at the CES 2020. Third, the China factor. I was talking to several C-level executives and my colleagues during the show. We all agreed that we saw fewer Chinese visitors to the CES this year. What a difference a year makes in the so-called trade war between China and the United States. Last year, a top executive from Huawei delivered a CES keynote address. This year, no one Chinese tech chief scored the keynote. There appeared to be fewer Chinese entrepreneurs with booth space. Coming to the U.S. is getting tougher on Chinese visitors. Anecdotally, I heard stories about TSA agents demanding the Chinese executives 
reveal the contents of their WeChat contact list. Of course, nobody official acknowledged the Chinese drop-off at CS. Any mention of the deteriorating relationship between China and the U.S. was strictly taboo. CTA, the organizer of CES, issued statements that denied the evidence of our own lying eyes. CTA said that Chinese exhibit space represents 13 to 14% of total show floor space at CES 2019, roughly equal to 2018. But CTA did acknowledge that CES 2019 featured slightly more space for bigger Chinese exhibitors and slightly less space for smaller exhibitors. Specifically, CTA pointed out, we have seen notable growth from large Chinese companies such as Alibaba, Baidu, Changhong, Baiden, DJI, Hair, Hisense, JD.com, Konka, Lenovo, Suning, and TCL. Maybe that's impressive enough, but the phrase nobody heard during a week at the CS was Made in China 2025. That was EE Times editor Junko Yoshida. I'm joined now by EDN's Brian Santo for his take on CES and the week's headlines. Brian, thoughts, impressions on CES 2019? One of the things that uh, kind of stood out was nothing particularly stood out. Um, Each year, there's always something that uh, everybody kind of agrees by consensus was cool. Um, It might have been... Um, a Tesla Roadster or uh, an 8K TV or the Apple Watch. And this year, um, as near as I could tell, nothing in particular really knocked everybody off their feet. Um, there was a lot of cool things there. Uh, but don't get me wrong. There's a lot of neat new technologies, but nothing that really seemed to seize the popular imagination. Is this absence of wow the result of execution catching up with vision? I'm sure that wow will come back um, next year or the year after that. Uh, But I think you did kind of put your finger on it. Uh, Every once in a while, um, after you after you dazzle people with what you're going to do, you've actually got to buckle down and do it. Um, and I think that's, that's possibly what we've seen. Uh, a couple of things I told you about that, uh, that I mentioned, uh, in previous years, the 8k TV, well, that's still going to be kind of cool, but they've still got to work on that and make it happen. Um, autonomous vehicles or just even assisted driving, uh, way tougher than it sounds and maybe even tougher than uh, the people who are developing it anticipated at first. And now they're going down and, and getting it done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's part, part of it is just trying to find the next big thing, but the other part of it is actually going and making sure that the next big thing works. Yep, exactly. And, uh, Looking at the consumer segment from the perspective of semiconductor manufacturers, years ago, the big hotness was cell phones. We got to get into cell phones. Then I imagine that might have gone into tablets, 8K televisions. What do you think is exciting to semiconductor manufacturers uh, in the consumer arena nowadays? 
So the next big thing for semiconductors is definitely going to be automotive. There are so many uh, ways that the automotive industry and the electronics industry are merging. Uh, when you start getting into electric and hybrid cars, you're automatically crossing over into the electronics area. And as we know, cars have become more uh, electronics platforms than almost uh, automotive platforms over the past few years. The uh, percentage of a car that is electronics has been increasing every year for the last decade or so. And that's not going to stop at all. So there's the uh, electronics of assisted driving and electronics of, um, of autonomous driving. And there are the onboard entertainment systems. And then there are the communication systems that are going to tie them all together. Uh, that's a lot of different fields for a lot of different semiconductor manufacturers, uh, different portfolios and different areas of expertise that to all come together, uh, gives them all, uh, opportunities to participate in, um, the automotive market. So I think that's going to be, uh, exciting thing for semiconductor companies for many years to come. Which semiconductor makers are best positioned to address the convergence of automotive and consumer features, uh, including, for example, say powertrain, uh, ADAS, cabin comfort and entertainment, motor control, all of these features? Um, there are companies that have specialized in that sort of thing for a long time. Uh, companies like Renaissance and uh, uh, STM. Um, you can imagine that uh, companies that have already that have been doing it, like those companies, are going to continue to do it. Um, there are other opportunities for processor manufacturers as. Um, Cars are going to need to be smarter, uh, which obviously means some processing. Uh, and where that processing goes is up in the air. And where processing goes is is how processor companies kind of differentiate themselves. Um, Intel has done well by putting processors in uh PCs and in data centers. Um, automotive opens up this really interesting new uh, dynamic for everybody who's involved in, in the processing area. And that is uh, over the last 10 years or so, uh, most processing has moved to data centers. When you talk to Alexa, you're talking to a data center someplace probably several hundred miles away, and it takes a little bit of time to get that signal there and back, but not so much time that you would notice uh, that Alexa is hesitating when she tells you when uh, you know the movie you want to go to is actually going to start at the local Cineplex. Um, with an automotive uh, application, with a car, you need to be able to, the car needs to be able to process things immediately. What is that object that just jumped out in front of me? Is it a piece of paper or is it a human? And 
do I, can I just blow, keep blowing through because it's paper or do I have to stop because it's a human? That kind of processing has to happen immediately. And that means we can't go 400, 500 miles to the, to the data center. It's that processing has to be on the edge right next to where the car is. Um, but how does that happen? Um, is it going to be in a 5G base station that Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile has set up next to the road? Um, will you be relying on processing in other vehicles? In other words, will there be a mesh of vehicles talking to each other so you'll uh, rely on the network of the other cars that are in your area and together you'll decide yes that's a piece of paper or yes that's a human being and that stuff is up in the air and who wins and loses might depend on where you put the processing whether it's a, a company that's already got processors on board on vehicles, or whether it's a company that's uh, good with uh, uh, in base stations, or whether it's a company that uh, you know already has uh, a position in, in data centers, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. Looking at some headlines around the electronics industry, um, there's some news from Etron. Can you tell me a little about that? Uh, this was really cool. Um, my colleague over at EE Times, Junko Yoshida, wrote it up. Um, I was privileged to have been in the room when we were talking with uh, Nikki Liu from Etron. This is kind of cool. Um, DRAM has been um, kind of the workhorse memory for literally decades. And it's cheap and it's easy to use and you just you, know, you just crank out whatever one version of it is and that's what it is. Well, it turns out that there are a lot of small IoT applications that could really make use of that DRAM, but it's too big. Um the issue isn't that it's not cheap enough because it's you know it's it's well within uh, it's nominally within uh, the budget of most IoT applications. Um, what the problem is is that it's just got too many pins. It's just too big. So if you want to slim things down for uh, something that's wearable, for example. Um, one of the gating factors is the size of your DRAM. Well, what Etron has done is come up with uh, essentially that same DRAM, but they're, they've packaged it in such a manner uh, that it's smaller, it has fewer pins, and they've done a few interesting things with, uh, with the bus structure, getting uh, the memory on and off chip. Uh, but it's really cool, and it could be a really neat key enabler for wearables and, and other small IoT applications. So that's, uh, that could be a very big deal. Definitely. And uh, was it described sort of how, how the uh, devices will be architected and packaged differently to, to afford these uh, space savings? 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, essentially, the idea is that uh, they've gone down from uh, uh, I think it's in excess of 140 tins. Uh, I think you said that it would become it would come down to uh, 50 or 52. I think he said. Um, so it's it's practically having the pin count, um, which and it makes it easier to to package. Um, and it allows you to reduce the whole thing. It's just a neat approach. And like I said, it, it could be a, a key enabler for for all sorts of uh, small um, applications. And of course, power efficient as well, right? Right, right. On January 10th, there was a story in EDN about 5G in automotive and autonomous applications. And we're seeing similar headlines in magazines like Forbes. We're seeing it in The Independent and some others. Uh, can you give me your thoughts on that? So one of the interesting things uh, uh, yeah, that was hot before, uh, but wasn't that big this year, was 5G. And again, this was a uh, uh, an issue of probably just hunkering down and getting it done. But there's also a separate issue, and it kind of dovetails in with that conversation we had before about autonomous vehicles, uh, because it is about autonomous vehicles. 5G wireless network operators were under the assumption that one of the big use cases was going to be supporting autonomy in uh, motor vehicles. The idea being that uh, motor vehicles would need um, processing power at the edge of the network, and they would need a low-latency uh, means of communication to get to that processing power. Um, the idea being that autonomous vehicles would need to make decisions really fast, uh, so give them the resources to help them do that. And 5G network operators thought that 5G would be the uh, mechanism for enabling that. Well, it turns out that automakers aren't so sure about that anymore. Uh, I sat in with a uh, with a, um, uh, a presentation from Hyundai where they talked about transcending the network. Uh, basically, what they're talking about was not relying on 5G network operators. They might rely on creating a, a mesh network uh, that's entirely vehicle-to-vehicle. -vehicle. Um, they would rely entirely on other vehicles and, and the mesh of vehicles nearby uh, to support the autonomous driving, um, which is problematic for the 5G network operators. They're seeing their big major use case disappear. Uh, what they had hoped would help fund the expansion of their 5G networks, that's gone away, or seems to be. Um, the the automakers may decide, you know, after all that um, they might actually best be able to depend on having a five G network there. But right now they're 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 moving past that already. Um, so 
What that means for the automakers is is that they're now talking more about vehicle to vehicle. The the ramifications for the five G network operators is that now they're going to have to find something else to um, to push the uh, expansion of their five G networks. Uh, they they're going to have to find some new killer app is basically what it's down to. And they haven't done that yet. You see a lot of uh, announcements of uh, the network operators holding, uh, you know, creating new labs to help develop new applications. Well, they would have done it anyways, but now they have to. Because, like I said, the one thing that they had envisioned was really going to drive things not there anymore. Brian, you're my uh, you're my source for random cool stuff. Um, what did you love at CES? A whole mess of things that I saw that were pretty cool that don't really necessarily fit a category. Yeah, there might have been one offs or what have you. Um, one of the things I saw that I really liked was um, these guys. <laughs> had developed a system that um, can model and recognize plumbing parts. Okay. Which sounds uh, like not that big of a deal until your faucet goes and you got to figure out which piece fits in it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's it's a real legitimate problem. I mean, it's bad enough for like old stuff. I've got a house that was built in 1929, mm-hmm. and you know, if something original goes out on it, and I've got to go down to one of those <laughs> those old hardware stores with that that just have buckets of old, literally buckets of old parts and, and trying to sift through and identify which one is the one that might actually fit is, is excruciating. And these guys were explaining that if it's modern, it's even worse because it is so easy to just create a part and it might be two millimeters shorter than the one they had in the oh. last model year. What I had, and it just becomes brutal for for people trying to figure out what part is which right. they say they've got a database of like four thousand parts um the, and it's it's fast you just stick it in this little box it's a thing it's this one and off you go to the store to to buy that one it's really cool i love that um i saw I, i'm so bored with drones now <laughs> i mean they've been around for but um, I saw one I really liked. Um, they uh, the it's it fits into a phone case. So you've got your 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 you, what you normally have as a as a protective case for your phone. Well, this is uh, it's roughly an inch inch and a quarter thick, maybe. So your phone is now like crazy thick with this, but. Mm-hmm. It's cut out with an inset into which fits this little tiny drone, right? So you pop the drone out of the out of the back of your case. You literally just toss it into the air, and it takes wing, and the thing will 
will track you. Um, so it's it's for sort of like impromptu selfies. Um, you just loft this thing into the air. It follows your face. Um, they had some uh, demos where like some kids on skateboards uh, did this, and the drone would follow them as they you know what they they skated through a course, and then they went back, retrieved it, and slapped it back into their phone. It was kind of cool. What did you see anything else that was like, oh, that's cool, you know? Uh, oh, um, pinball machine hmm. okay. from Stern, based on uh, it's a it's a Beatles pinball machine. I, I mean, there's <laughs> lightsabers, pinball machines. These are these are like the coolest things in the world. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, it's just your standard pinball machine. It's a four flipper thing. It's fun. Um, it plays music from the Beatles. It plays video from like their Ed Sullivan show uh, appearance. Um, lights go off. Uh, Digit counters fall. It's just the greatest thing in the world. Awesome. Just classic pinball. Does classic pinball. Yeah. It's so much fun. And and who would have thought 2019 CES? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, when fantastic. you think about it, who would have thought that, you know, that of all the things that Paul and Yoko would agree on, um, <laughs> you know, licensing to a pinball machine, you know, that that that's a gimme. That, you know. <laughs> Come together. Thanks, Brian. That was Brian Santo for EDN. Check out EDN for the latest design news and professional insights. This has been your weekly briefing from EE Times and the Aspen Core Global Service. Thanks for listening. <laughs>